Do you love God but struggle to fit in? Do you have questions that never seem to get answered? Do you just want to have honest conversations about things that matter? Well, let's slow down and take the time to do just that. Welcome to Jesus Never Ran. Well, this week we start a four-week series on the church. So we're going to be talking about the church. This week I'm going to set everything up, and then the next few weeks we're going to hear from some incredible people experiencing church in unique ways. Before we jump in, though, of course, we have to give you an update on our wonderful sponsors, Rise Nutrition from Menominee. They are back in business. Make sure you check out their hours by going to their Facebook page at Rise Menominee, and that's Rise with a Z, and they can help you with all your health and nutrition needs. Infinity Beverages, they are also back in business. The tasting room is open. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. It's just great to be back around people again. So check them out at www.infinitybeverages.com. You can also order online from them. And again, thank you to both of our sponsors for continuing such great work and working hard to make it through all of this. Here's the thing. I think, I won't say I'm absolutely positive, but I think the church could be a great agent of social change in our world. I think this is the place where it could really happen. The challenge that I have is I don't think that it can happen in its current state. I don't think so. And I'm certainly not convinced as we get into this conversation, I'm certainly not convinced that there's a right way to do church. So I don't want you to come into this podcast and this series of podcasts thinking, hey, Matt is going to tell me and he's going to interview some great people that are going to tell us how we should be doing church. I don't think that there is a right way to do church, but I do think, and I'm pretty confident. I'm absolutely confident that there are a lot of wrong ways to do church. So I'm not confident that there is a right way, but I am confident that there is a wrong way. So I'm going to do a little intro today. Then we're going to interview some really great people. Next week, we have Kathy Escobar from The Refuge in Denver, Colorado. The week after that, we're going to hear again from Colby Martin from out in San Diego. And then super excited to talk about church with author, former pastor, activist, incredible speaker, Brian McLaren. But to start, you're just going to have to listen to me. As you've probably figured out by now, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I grew up Catholic, like I know a lot of you who listened to this probably did, either grew up Catholic or some mainline, maybe it was Lutheran. And here is the thing that made me a super strange kid. I loved And I mean, I loved going to church. On Sunday mornings, I would get up all by myself. Nobody would have to get me up. I'd make my bed. I'd take a shower. I'd get dressed, and I'd be ready for church. My brother on the other side, he was just on the other side of the wall from me. So I could hear every single Sunday morning the crazy battles that he and my dad would have because he... He was the opposite. He did not want anything to do with church. So I don't know where that came from. It's just this thing that I always loved. And 
one of the very few arguments that I can remember having with my mom and dad because we had a pretty solid relationship and honestly we're just a super introverted family (laughs) so we didn't argue about a lot of things but one of the arguments that I can remember having is there was one day where my friend Matt Camp called me up he was sick or for some reason he couldn't make it to be the altar boy and he called to see if I could fill in for him which I naturally thought of course I'm going to do that because I am the all-star altar boy I step in when there's a need and my parents because it was ready Sunday morning and go figure they actually had plans they didn't want to bend their knee to every little thing that came their way they said no and I threw a fit so Like I said, I loved going to church. It was something I really enjoyed. And that really held on for a long time in my life. But the first time I can recall like questioning the church or questioning maybe even just the church service at this point was in the midst of a Catholic mass. And I remember looking around noticing everybody's robotic movements. If you've never been to the Catholic Church, everybody stands at the same time, everybody kneels at the same time, they say the same things at the same time. And I remember looking around thinking, you know, everybody looks like they're half asleep. (laughs) They can do this while they're half asleep. And in that moment, I remember thinking, couldn't we like just switch things up a little bit to try to keep everybody on their toes, at least to try to keep everybody awake? Now, eventually, my story is that I came to college, and even when I got to college, I would go to Catholic church on Sundays. I know, again, that probably makes me a little bit strange, but then one day, somebody in my class, I was a music major. So somebody, I believe it was like in band or symphony or something like that. They let me know that there's a church in town that needed a drummer that coming weekend, which I thought was the craziest thing I've ever heard of because never once other than playing snare drum for the drummer boy at the Christmas service at my Catholic church growing up. But other than that, the idea of a drummer in church seemed absolutely crazy to me. But I went and I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was different. I thought it was lively. All of the things I you know, wished for for the Catholic church seemed to be addressed in this evangelical church. But then let's fast forward, let's call it seven, eight years. I remember being on staff at an evangelical church and I was sitting in the front row listening to another sermon. And I remember thinking, wait a second, remember that thing that I didn't care for much in the Catholic church? The same thing exists in the evangelical church. It just looks a little bit different. We basically do the same thing every single weekend. And so we might not do what the Catholic church did, but we've just recreated the same thing that we didn't like about the mainline church that maybe we grew up into. And so it's extremely interesting to me how good the church has become at creating the same problems in different ways. We haven't done a good job of solving problems, but we have done a great job of creating the same problems in different ways. So I was in a staff meeting at one point and our pastor asked us a question. And if you've ever been on staff at an evangelical church, I bet you were asked the same question because it came from a prominent church leadership book at the time. And the question was this, if 
we no longer existed, if the church that we are all working at, if it no longer existed, would anyone outside of our church even notice? And I think that is a valid question. And I started mulling this over and I started thinking about it, not just on a local level, but on a corporate level. And the decision that I personally came to about this specific question is that I believe that yes, the world would absolutely notice if the church ceased to exist, but in some ways the world would believe and probably would actually be better off for it. And when I started thinking that way, I mean, I felt extremely guilty, but I was pretty convinced of it because when you look back through the history of at least the evangelical church, but let's just look back at the history of the entire church and there is some dark spots. And even currently, there are some dark spaces going on inside the walls and the systems of the organized evangelical church. And so I still feel that same way. Today, I still feel like, hey, if the church, the corporate church, the church as a whole, if it ceased to exist, I think the world would notice and I think a lot of the world would celebrate. Well, some people at that point just threw their phones out the window, which that's fine. It might not be worth listening to anyway. Others of you, I probably just got your attention. And then probably a third group is shaking their head affirmative, saying absolutely true. So let's just look a little bit today into the history of the evangelical church. It's a little bit tricky to trace because it's not a specific denomination. There's several denominations that would be under the umbrella of the evangelical church. But the best we can tell, it traces its roots back to the early 1700s. You could certainly track it back even further and see some of its roots even in the days of Martin Luther. But some of the early pioneers or influencers of evangelical Christianity would be names like Charles Wesley. You may have heard of the Wesleyan Church. Jonathan Edwards, he has a crazy sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. If you ever want to be scared out of your mind, get a copy of that sermon. And you may also have heard of the Great Awakening, which happened around this same time where people like Jonathan Edwards were going around preaching to large groups of people about God and about Jesus. But again, because it encompasses so many different denominations, it's challenging to say not only exactly when it started, it's also a little bit challenging to say what exactly are the beliefs of the evangelical church? What are we talking about here? I was interviewed on a podcast a few weeks ago and that question was asked of me and I gave my answer, but my guess is that all of us we would have answers that are just a little bit different. So I want to cue in today on some of the main beliefs, what I believe to be the main beliefs of the evangelical church. These three things would make a church an evangelical church. Number one, conversion. Maybe you've heard it called being born again, a born again Christian. More recently, I guess starting in the 70s and 80s is when it really grew in prominence was this idea of the altar call and the salvation prayer came into play. So at the end of so many church services, I mean, the beginning of my evangelical time, almost every single church service ended with an altar call and a salvation prayer or a salvation call. 
Now, the main problem with this is what one of my favorite thinkers and authors, Richard Rohr, would call duality. I'm in, you're out, I know, you don't, I have the truth, you don't. It basically creates an either-or scenario, and that's what he means when he talks about duality. And when we think about conversion, one of the biggest challenges that this theology of conversion has is that it creates a us-versus-them mentality, and that has the potential to create an unbelievable amount of harm and it has created an unbelievable amount of harm since the inception of the evangelical church and again we could take that to include other times in history when the church has been really problematic number two the evangelical church would believe that the bible is authoritative I would say most Christian groups, most Christians would say the same thing, but the evangelical movement, the evangelical church as a whole has a very specific way of believing that. They would say that the Bible is inerrant, which means it's without error, or or I should say and, it's infallible, which means that it cannot fail. For the longest time, I just bought into this idea that the Bible's without error and it cannot fail. It was just what was told to me as I was growing up is what was told to me when I got to the evangelical church. Every time I thought I saw a contradiction, somebody tried to explain it away. But finally, after getting over that hump of feeling like I have to prove the Bible is without error. I finally was able to look at it with new eyes, listen to some great preachers on the subject, read some great books on the subject, and I am absolutely, I'm telling you, absolutely convinced that the Bible contains errors. I am also completely convinced that the Bible can fail and the Bible has failed so many times before. We're going to do an entire series just on the Bible in the upcoming months, so I'm going to stop right there. But that is a belief of the evangelical church, which again is a big part of the reason why I no longer would consider myself an evangelical Christian. A Christian for sure, but not an evangelical one. And then the third thing is the idea of atonement or salvation, and that that comes through Jesus' death and resurrection, which I guess to, (laughs) I'll sum it up like this. We deserve punishment from a wrath-filled God, and he chose, instead of punishing us, he said, hey, there's another way. Instead, I can punish my son Jesus in your place because he's perfect. And when I say it out loud, I can't get it to make much sense. (laughs) But that is absolutely what the evangelical church believes, that we have this wrathful God. He's got to get out his wrath, and if he's not going to put it out on us, he's he can do it with his son. So instead of using that wrath on us, instead he's going to put all of it out on his son Jesus, and there's no other way. Now, even though I don't believe the Bible is without error, and even though I do believe the Bible can fail, I still think it's inspired. And I also think it's really important to 
go to the Bible when we're looking for a way forward and we're looking for understanding of how to move forward in this world in so many ways. So when we're talking about the church, if we look to the Bible, we don't see anything that looks like our modern rendition of church. I guess the closest thing would be the Jewish temple, but we're certainly not trying to recreate that in our modern world. What we do see is we see people and they would get excited because they heard about or they maybe even met Jesus and they would go to a small community, meet in somebody's house and have discussions about this incredible man, Jesus. So that's really what the Bible shows us church looking like. Now, does that mean that all churches should meet in homes? I'm not even sure that's possible And I'm also not sure that's overly helpful. So we're not trying to do things exactly how they did them in the Bible because it's different times. I mean, they're being persecuted. We're just trying to get this message of the gospel and the kingdom of God on earth moving forward. Very different times than what we're talking about now. And so I'm not necessarily advocating that we have to do things exactly like they did, although I think house church meetings can be exceptionally amazing. But what I do think we want to try to match is the spirit of those meetings in homes. That spirit allowed a space for community and it allowed a space for discussion. That's what I feel like we're missing in our modern renditions of church. We go to church and we listen to a person tell us what they believe the truth is. And I think the focus should be more on the gathering and on the community and on the conversation and less on a person telling us what's right and wrong. I've got a friend who currently does not go to church, although he's gone to church his whole life before this season. And the last time he went to a church, he said he was sitting in the congregation and the pastor kept saying, this is what we believe. And my friend kept thinking, that might be what you believe, but it's actually not what I believe. We need to get out of a system where a small number of people tell the large number of people what we believe. We are all well-thinking human beings and we can decide what we believe on our own. That doesn't mean that gathering together isn't helpful. It doesn't mean that gathering together isn't wonderful, but it has to be a space for discussion and it can't be a place where some people are telling us for sure absolutely what is right or what is wrong. Because again, if we're going to look at the Bible and say it does have errors and it's not infallible, then we just need a lot of space for discussion. Now, like I said in the beginning, I still believe that the church has the capacity to change the world in incredible ways. I think it has the potential to lead the way on conversations of race. I think it has the potential to address injustices like human trafficking, but in its current form, it is not because it is far too focused on believing the right things and right is in parentheses. Let me put it like this. Is it better to think differently on salvation and provide clean drinking water to communities or to spend all of our time and resources debating our differences in theology. 
Is it better to fight injustice together while believing differently on things about the Bible? Or should we continue to push people who don't believe like us further and further away? Is it better to put our world-changing efforts and resources into the body of Christ on earth? Or should we just keep believing that one day the correct political system will work? I feel like I need to put an asterisk next to the previous statements that I just made. There's some space in church circles, Christian circles, where we say we can disagree and still be unified. And I would say if we're talking about some of the things I've already mentioned, or if we're talking about things like communion, baptism, music, etc., then I would say definitely we can certainly be unified and still disagree on those things. However, if we're talking about things like racial justice, things such as Jesus's heart for the oppressed, if we're talking about exclusion of anyone, if we're talking about silencing women or any issues like this, then I would say that we cannot disagree on those issues and still be unified. I can only think of myself, so I'm not putting this on anybody else. I can only think of myself that I'm not going to be able to be unified with somebody who thinks differently on any of the issues that I just mentioned. That doesn't mean that we can't have great conversations around them. It just means that we're going to have to have those conversations in order to even get anywhere near a space of being unified. So I just want to make that clear because sometimes I feel like we throw that statement or a statement like that out there and it's a bit of an easy out. We say, oh, it's okay. We can disagree about that and still be unified. Really what most people are saying when they say that is, I don't really want to have that conversation. We disagree. This is too hard. And we can't be unified when there's disagreement over issues like that. I really don't believe it's possible. So that was a lot to just kind of digest. And it's just an intro. And here's my hope for the rest of our time talking about church. My hope, again, is not to give you the right way to do church. Because one thing I know as a person who loved church for so long but currently does not go to church is that I miss a lot of parts of it. That little kid in me that loved going to Catholic church, he still exists today. And there's a big part of me that wishes I had a community that I felt like I could go to. But currently I don't, which is why this conversation is really important because I'm guessing there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that feel exactly the same as I do. You're either wishing you had a church to go to, but you don't have a community that you feel safe in or you don't have a community that you feel like you think like-minded enough to be a part of. Or maybe you actually do go to a church, but you're really frustrated about the way that that community operates and you really wish there was a different way. So what I'm going to do, again, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to interview over the next few weeks some amazing people who have some incredible experience of looking at church and even doing church in unique and beautiful ways. 
Next week, we're going to hear from Kathy Escobar. She lives out in Denver. She's going to share about her beautiful community out there and how they represent the body of Christ on this earth in a wildly different way than what you may be used to. She's also going to talk about her book that just recently came out and how that book is well called Practicing, how that book can also help us with this context of what church can look like. Then, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to hear again from Colby Martin. If that name sounds familiar to you, just go a few podcasts back. And he is the author of a book called Unclobbered, where he went through the different areas of the Bible that have been used to put down the LGBT community. And so check out that podcast if you want to get a little intro into Colby Martin. He's written a new book that just came out called The Shift, which is all about moving from an evangelical framework of Christianity into a progressive framework of Christianity. And he has also an incredible little community out in San Diego that he and his wife pastor. And then finally, we're going to hear from Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren is the person that has informed and inspired my thinking more than anybody else on the face of this planet. He used to be a pastor. Now he travels all over the place speaking. Uh, Most of his speaking engagements do end up being in churches. And so he has this really beautiful thought process when it comes to the church and very, very challenging thought process when it comes to the church. So my hope is that this was just a little bit of an introduction, just kind of to wet your whistle. And what we're going to do from here on out is you're going to hear from people that are in it, that are experiencing it. And I'm hopeful that as you hear from them, it will give you a bit of hope that there is a possibility of a better tomorrow when we talk about church. I'm also hopeful that as you listen to these podcasts, that maybe, just maybe, it will help you not to completely give up on church. So that's the hope. Stick with me. Here's the other thing, guys, is as you're listening to these podcasts, I'm sharing my thoughts and my beliefs Please don't take them on as the absolute truths or things that you have to believe. If you believe that the Bible's without error, you can believe that I'm wrong. I have no problem with that. Anything I say, if you disagree with it, don't just turn off the podcast because there's too many great conversations to be had. Just take it, toss it off to the side, and keep on going. It's been an honor to be with you today. Keep going. Keep the conversations going. Until next week, keep walking. Keep walking.